Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Glorious day to all in Grind podcast land. Uh, Andrew Munnicky was making fun of my greetings a while ago, and so I decided to change it up a little bit today. And uh, so I am Dave McClung, and your glorious host. And with me, as always, is the flat bill hat wearing, soccer loving, uh, tiny lip beard gentleman known as Chad Grigsby. Dave, it is good to be in your presence and uh, <laughs> smelling the island coconut candle you have lit in your office. Yes. And just being on this podcast with you. It's, yeah. It's uh, one of the joys of my life. Yeah. The, the, the candle is code for Dave ate a bad burrito. So... <laughs> So oh they, Lord, help us! <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh man, well, I kid, I kid. But it does smell good in here. It smells it? really good. I love Island the coconut, coconut candle smell. Yeah. So uh, on the podcast today, we have our lovely buddy, our church planting friend and compatriot, the illustrious Andrew Municky from Hill Church in Fayetteville. Yo, what am I supposed to say here for this? Except for I'm thankful for the common grace of the internet that I can be <laughs> here in my grace. office yes. and not over there in your <laughs> office with your burrito eating <laughs> loving friends. But see, if you were here, a, a new meeting to the uh, episode or the uh, podcast. Oh, that's, right, that's, right, gonna, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Like, in the same see, way. See, if you again. were here, though. Please feel free to delete that. Feel free to erase that off the good start. Now we're recording. We don't edit. (laughs) As most of you know, by listening to the podcast, uh, poor Nick Burt, he has this incredible task of trying to make us sound good. And we've just decided not to edit anything. This is a low budget podcast. Yeah. Um, You get what you pay for. So, yeah. So, uh, (laughs) all right. Hey, uh, man, glad you're on here. And uh, uh, you guys have done a credible job with uh, Hill Church in the Fayettevilles of Arkansas. And. Both, yeah, of them. both of them, and uh, and so yeah. uh, you the you guys started with what three missional communities? Wasn't it three? Kind of. Well, it technically one. started as one, but yeah, then yeah, and so three. you kind of yeah. started that way with uh, before kind of a public you know worship gathering, and and used that time to really kind of establish some DNA and missional DNA and, and leadership mm-hmm. DNA and things like yeah. that. So kind of talk about that. Um, you know, what led you to that approach to multiplying groups before you started worship gathering? You know, it obviously went well. Would you do it that way again? What was good? What was not so good about it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, a lot of questions there. And so, uh, yeah, so I'll just start off and saying like, you know, every, every church planner and everyone who's starting a church, they kind of have their, their win that they're going after, or they have their goal set. So, so kind of traditionally it's been, uh, we're going to gather a core group and that core group is going to exist to kind of start and launch a service. So the whole goal and the focus is let's get this ball rolling and we get the ball rolling. We're, we're starting a service and that, um, historically has has worked well for some people but um 
you know, it's really just kind of my uh, and our personal conviction. When we moved up here, moved up here from Dallas, and what we kind of saw down there in Dallas was, um, man, kind of that that model of starting a service per se uh, really wasn't the route to go. Not that services are bad; they're good. We love we love our Sunday services. They're a vital part of how we make disciples and how we make missionaries. Now. We obviously gather around the word and worship, but as far as what would attract um, non-believers to a church plant, uh, man, that really wasn't it. At best, it just kind of shuffled some other churchgoers mm-hmm. around. And so uh, we really wanted to be intentional of going, well, hey, if our church plant is coming to plant in Fayetteville, Arkansas, because back then in 2013, the stats were uh, it was only 18% church, and those stats kind of still remain. Um, that means 82% of this city uh, have people who do not belong to a church home. Um, what's the church that's going to reach those people and not what's the church that's just going to kind of mix some people people around because they liked our vibe or they like uh, kind of what we're about or kind of our, our flow um, to that. And so uh, that's where we, you know, we really believe the idea of missional communities, what we call gospel communities, and, and we can get into that of why we name them gospel communities per se. Uh, but we really knew that the culture we wanted to start was unique between what has been mm-hmm. here before. And so instead of just launching to a service and using the service as the big tent funnel to get people into smaller groups, uh, we wanted to start with kind of like, how do we take what it would be traditionally a core group and instill our DNA in them so that when we multiply, then they can start to be a part of other gospel communities. And they've been a part of one, not just kind of had the uh, big picture concept idea of one. And so uh, so that's how we started. And, and listen, we can, we can go as far as what was good and bad about that. The good stuff about that is, I mean, our DNA was just pretty yeah. much set, that we are uh, a missional people that, yes, gather together to study scripture, keep each other accountable, really encourage each other in the faith. But this group exists beyond, uh, or the purpose of the group is beyond the group itself. It's be, it's for the people outside of it. So the neighborhood that we're in, the community that we're in, how do we serve and bring uh, those who are outside the church doors and in through um, our gospel communities. And so uh, the issue that we ran into here, though, is that it's so transient that um, – and that it's still very much a Southern culture where people did not take us seriously until we had (laughs) a literal front door to the church. And, and, and how funny it was. Like I remember when we were actually getting ready to launch our services, because our benchmark was not, uh, we ended up launching on January 26, 2014, but we weren't like pinning a pin in that date and everything led up to it. Our benchmark was when are we ready to multiply? And then when we multiply, then we'll start Sunday gatherings. And so whenever our quote unquote church goes beyond multiple church and how are we getting everyone together to hear kind of big picture vision and and get across the word. And so when we got to the point where we're ready to multiply, therefore start services and we found the space and we put decal on the door. Like that's when I started getting texts of like, Oh, you're really planning a church here. This is actually (laughs) happening. And the much chat surprise where he wants to drop. And, and so, and so that's where that that kind of interesting thing of, of you know, so we were at forty people at the time of launch, where we broke those forty people into three uh, gospel communities, and then we went 
automatically from 40 to 100 opening yeah. the doors. Well, and that's you know that's a trend finally, you know, a much needed trend we're seeing develop over yeah. and over is that, you know, guys are spending, you know, kind of their first year really setting DNA, establishing, you know, missional communities or gospel communities whatever, serving the city you know, establishing a presence in the city, and then, you know, nine months to a year later are launching that first public, you know, worship gathering. And so so culture and vision and DNA are set, you know, before public public worship gathering begins. And I think that's vitally important. Yeah, and I'd say it the other way. It's like the, the saying that, that rings true is that you keep people what you right. caught them with. And so, like... If, if you're so focused on a Sunday gathering is the thing that catches people and not vision and not culture and not these things that I think that God has uniquely wired a congregation and wired a pastor planner. But uh, really, we're, we're just saying the only thing that differentiates us between, you know, the church down the road is literally style. Uh, then um, uh, then that you got to keep that up. I mean, you got to constantly just be worried about Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday morning. And that's where you get run into this race of going, we just got to outdo, outdo last week. And we got to do better than last week. We got to make sure everything's tight and put together. Um, and for our people, like uh, for better or worse, like for the first year and a half, I inputted these, uh, the lyrics on the slides, which means if you ever see me type, terrible <laughs> typos and horrible spelling, like, like that's the joke, but it's real. Like, like uh, there was some like blasphemous things written on the screen, and it was because I misspelled <laughs> stuff, you know. Um, and and I'm like, oh, I got to redo that one. I didn't mean he crucified the, you know, the the son. I mean, it was like the different different things that were that were on there, and some things that weren't aren't appropriate for me to say. Yeah, whatever you win them with, you win them too. That's the. I see that floating yeah, around the, yeah. Jer- the Jared Wilson quote. I don't know who, who it originated with, but uh, yeah. we, we had the same stuff. Like we had a warehouse with, uh, you know, concrete floors that were not stained or even sealed that had tire tracks on them, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think you're right. When, when that's not the focus, you know, and Jesus is, that, that, that makes a big difference. We're, we're, we are trying to get planters to adopt um, kind of what you did. And, uh-huh. Cause when, 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 most guys think about starting a church, they really think first and foremost about a worship service. So they think, all right, what are we going to do yeah. for kids? All right, we're going to play a church. What are we going to do for kids? Who's going to lead worship? Yeah. What's going to be our liturgy? Mm-hmm. What's going to be our order of service? How are we going to do this? And then guys come in, and like um, a lot of our guys are bivo now, six out of seven that I work with in Northwest Arkansas are bivo. I got 10 hours a week to give to this thing. I'm going to give all 10 hours to meetings yeah. around the gathering. Well, when you do, when you yeah, do that, yeah. you just hamstring yourself. And I, I've seen it. You've probably seen it too, Andrew, as much church planting is happening in Fayetteville itself. These guys come in and yeah. they get chewed up and spit out trying to start a worship service instead of yep. planting a church, going yeah. after people who don't know the Lord, gathering them into disciples, and then forming them into church. Uh, so we 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 get to hold we get yeah. to hold you up as as a guy who's <laughs> no, who's done do it that. well. Yeah, you know. You know, there's two things, though, I think they're kind of at, at play with that. I mean, the first one is, I mean, what's this kind of call it what it is, is that a lot of church planners are guys who are either fresh out of seminary. So, man, they're 
they know exactly what the ideal church is. They know exactly what they don't mm-hmm. want in a church, and they know what exactly what the church is. And their only experience within the church is as a participant on a Sunday morning. They haven't yeah. been on inside. They haven't been in meetings. They haven't really served anywhere. And so they're very eager to get started the thing that they think will fix what they saw as the problem. Or they got really caught into liturgy or they really caught into their own gifts of teaching and they just are waiting for their waiting for their platform instead of having a heart man this is not about me this is about jesus this is about the city this is about the community and so how do i how do i honor that and so some guys just need to slow down a little bit and not rush into the service but but kind of slow down but then the second thing kind of more big picture culture vibe is and the mantra for so long has been non-Christians love Jesus, but not the church. Mm-hmm. Like that's been the mantra. And, uh, and so to fix that, we've thought we just need to make church more relevant or we need to make church more trendy. So they like church. And what the reality is that's kind of ignoring so much of non-Christians complaints about the church. Cause it wasn't that I can't wear blue jeans right. and sandals. Like it was that I can't get coffee at the church. Like it, it was more had to do with how the church dealt with my guilt, my shame, my sin, how we treated people who weren't like us. Um, that was been more of their complaint. So what we've tried to do is given them a more quote unquote relevant, which when any church planner says, I want to do a relevant church, I'm like, I don't know what that <laughs> relevant means. Relevant to who? I really, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that means. But if you honestly, if you take the cry of every non-christian group and every non-christian um part of this is coming from post-christianity but it's a cry for shalom it's a cry for peace it's a cry for justification uh they don't know the biblical foundation in which that cry for shalom is based out of and so like we're doing on this saturday a community-wide cleanup that we're partnering with yvonne richardson community center right by us and the purpose of that is Man, I, I'm never going to get some, not never, but I'm, I'm not likely to get as many non-Christians to a church meeting as I am to community cleanup. Yep. Because they, they get psyched yep. by that. Like, they're all part of that. And so how do we kind of bring them into the church and getting to know Christians through those type of things? So that's been our heart for that, and that's still part of our DNA. Well, and, and, and when we um, planned City Church, that was one of the things we found was those City Serve Days— were huge entry points yeah. to the church for us. Uh, you know, going down to pick up trash and clean up Riverfront Park, you know, would not in and of itself would not be seen as a spiritual exercise and a you know mission mm-hmm. you know uh, outpouring of the church. But when I'm walking up and down Riverfront Park and talking to a guy that that's his first introduction to the church, and I find out that. Uh, you know, he's he's in a struggling relationship, had battled drugs and alcohol, and loves the, the mm. city, loves the park, heard we were going to do this, and wanted to help. And so yeah. for, for two and a half hours, this guy and I get to pick up trash in the park, and I'm getting to have this complete holistic gospel conversation with him about why this is, mm-hmm. you know, a spiritual exercise and what we're out here doing you know, trying to be the church. It was it was fascinating how many people came in the church through those events, and that never would have yeah. come. Now he eventually did come to our worship gatherings, and he was one of our first baptisms. Uh, but uh, yeah. but that was not the entry point for him. 
uh, and would not have mm-hmm. been. And uh, and, yeah. and more in reality, we're in the South, where there's still two yeah. front doors. Like if you're on the coast, you're kind of running this a little bit harder, but there are still people who are hurting and broken who will stumble in to the front door of the church. So, uh, But to be that exclusive, I think, is yeah. missing, missing yeah. a key strategic element if you are wanting to reach yeah. lots of people. So you said you guys kind of have a lot of uh, transient uh, folks kind of in, in and out. You said you kind of um, yeah. are having to uh, resell the vision or recast the vision, rather, uh, on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. One of the things you're also yeah. having to do is develop leaders, I'm sure, um, as people kind of come and go. Mm-hmm. And and I like your um, approach to leadership development. We did a cohort with a couple of planters a couple of years ago, you and I did, and uh-huh. you were very gracious to uh, sit through that to help me with that. But uh, <laughs> you talked qu- quite a bit about leadership development, kind of how you guys approach it. So talk about how you guys approach it, how you develop yeah. leaders. and, uh, and Well, the key works. components yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of ways I can go with that, but I'll, I'll just stay true to us first, and then we can kind of sprinkle to how this relates to, to everyone else out there. But the reality is, no matter your church size, you're dependent on volunteers. Like it's just a reality of any church. For us, uh, we're in a college town, predominantly college students. Um, that it's just kind of the who the Lord sent us. Where we're seventy percent college students. Um, which means that we are uh, we are a church of a little bit over 300 uh, to put some uh, to put some framework around this. That means we need the structures and the systems that a church of 300 has, but we don't have the budget <laughs> yeah. that uh, some other churches have of that size that can hire staff to do those roles. Hmm. And so we really needed to be strategic of going. How are we developing leaders? Uh, that are consistently going through a pipeline that are that your main goal is always training up the person underneath you because you might be gone. I mean, that's just, that's just reality. And so too, so, and then on top of that, we really want to be ascending church. That's always been our heart. One of the things that uh, intrigued us about Northwest Arkansas was um, how interesting of a ascending kind of arm it is that people do come here for a short time and then move to other places and so how do we intentional of developing and training up college students to be better missionaries better uh church partners wherever they go better members see their work not just as something to get me paid but with a gospel intentionality um these are things that are important to us uh and so when we have someone for two three four years which is all of our um surveys kind of show that's our main sweet spot about three years that we're going to have someone um how are we very intentional in developing them the develop, developing them up uh, for those purposes and so we think it through it in three ways how do we empower how do we equip and how do we encourage so how do we empower how are we equip how we encourage and so uh the first step with empowering people is how are we making sure that people see what we do with the church is beneficial for the mission of God and for the mission of the church. Like these things are, these are regularly connected. And so when we talk about getting people in need for children's ministry and getting people in need for parking, um, historically, <clears throat> excuse me, historically that's sold kind of like this of like, Hey, our kids are downstairs and they're putting crayons in their nose and they're, you know, fighting and biting each other. Like we desperately need people down there. 
um, our parking. Like, who in the world is going to uh, park these cars? Anyone have the spirit to get the parking? We need someone to get the parking to come and help park these cars. Like, no one, no one has it. It's caught as if there's a fire that we need people to go and put out the fire. Well, um, you know how fires work. That firemen show up and put out the fire, and then they leave once the fire uh-huh. is gone. And so you're not getting people that are connecting with what they're doing with the greater mission of the church and the greater mission of God. It's really saying we need free labor. Yeah. We need free labor down there. Instead, it's like how do we see themselves as something bigger, which is what volunteers and leaders want. They want to see, especially with the millennials, how much you want to drag them under the bus. <laughs> but they want to be a part of something bigger. They want to be something greater than themselves. And what greater purpose do people have than building yeah. up the church? There's no greater purpose out there for for uh, these students. And so, um, so with children, like how do we – empower them by letting them know you're not babysitting down there you're making disciples like you're not just watching kids like even if you're holding a six-month-old and we want you praying for that child and once you're praying for their salvation once you're praying for their parents you're helping make their parents better disciples by giving them a space to go and and connect with connect with jesus and grow more in their faith um parking uh you know all studies show that um, a first time guest is going to make a decision in their first seven minutes if they're going to be mm-hmm. back or not. Now that is long. I don't care what kind of a dynamic speaker you are. That's long before you even step yep. on the stage. And so uh, to really like our parking team is when we say like you are literally the first impression staff. And so therefore, man, most people are making the decision if Hill is going to be at their home before they even sit down. Because it takes about seven minutes from where you park to actually get into our building. Because um, our parking here is crazy. It's a crazy <laughs> yeah. scenario. Um, and uh, and even like our case with admins, like we needed to desperately get admins. We finally hired our first admin a year and a half ago. Uh, but connecting administration work, which was administration, is making order out of chaos. Well, what's the gospel? The gospel is God taking something that was chaotic, disastrous, and dead and bringing life into it. Um, so helping people see that the work we're doing is not only just reflecting the gospel, but actually empowering. So um, so we want to empower them. Uh, and the, last, the second one, I will fly through these because I'm a rambler, <laughs> but, but we can, but we can, uh, but how do we equip them? You know, how do we equip them to do their work? And so this is where kind of our leadership pipeline comes in the way. We want to attract, build, connect, develop, and equip uh, our, sorry, encourage uh, leaders. And so the ABCs of leadership development. Um, and so attract, how are we getting people in the, in the pipeline? How do we know? Uh, how do they know where to serve, how to serve? Um, how do we build them up? Meaning how do we set them up for success? Uh, so children's minister, someone who's, taking care of kindergarten, like how do they, for the first time they step into the job, like how are they uh, built for success? How do we connect with them? How often are we meeting with them? How often one-on-one connections happening? So they don't feel like they're just being abused and used, but they actually feel valued and feel appreciated. Um, and D is, uh, is continuing development. So how does our, uh, we call level one, two, three, four leaders. So level one leader is a volunteer. It's someone who leads themselves well. So they said they're going to show up and do this. They showed up and did that. Um, level two leaders is someone who actually leads those people. So anyone who has to gain, uh, gain volunteers, communicate with volunteers, train volunteers, that's a level two person. Um, so a level three is someone who leads those leaders. So those are our deacons. Those are our ministry oversight people. 
and then level four is uh, me and the elders who oversee the actual organization itself. Um, and so we always think through those ABCs in each of those levels, like how is someone being brought into that pipeline, how is someone being set up for success in that pipeline, how does someone feel appreciated and developed in that pipeline. And the last, how are people in, uh, evaluated and encouraged? And, and that's our last thing. We really want to celebrate leaders really well. Uh, we want them to feel appreciated. We want to throw literally the best party they go to uh, every semester. That's our goal is to throw the best party we can for a volunteer teacher hmm. semester. And so um, those are just kind of ways that we kind of help through that. Uh, uh, threw a lot out there. You ask questions, man. That was Anything great. King? Well, you know, just the, just the fact that you have a leadership development pipeline is uh, refreshing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, we're, and we're having more of those conversations over and over as well because and, – and here's the reality, especially for church planting. Uh, there's – on average in Arkansas, um, over the last six years, uh, we'll, we'll see 22 and a half churches close a year. Uh, on average. And so if, if we're planting anywhere from, you know, 30 to 40 churches a year, which is typically what we average somewhere in that range, we're not gaining much. Uh, and there's yeah. not, not, there's yeah. no way that we can recruit enough church planters to fill all the church planting needs that we have, you know, across the state yeah. and the country, unless churches are starting to develop folks from within and send them out and yeah. so yeah and so that you know we do our last our last sunday of a semester so uh coming up here um at the time of this recording depending when it's released is april 29th um and so uh you know with that sunday since sunday like it, it's a hard reality but it's also a fun reality that we're sending out two of our elders who have been elders to go work at uh, other churches who we developed and trained and matured. So they're, they're getting sent out. One's going to Austin mm -hmm. stone. Um, and the other one's going um, down to Houston. Um, and then we're also sending out two staff people who, um, uh, one's going up to redeemer uh, fellowship in Kansas city to do some uh, stuff up there. She's been doing our mission stuff. Uh, and then the other one's married to the guy going off the stone. She's <laughs> kind of forced yeah. out, but, uh, <laughs> But uh, so, so that's like a hard, that's a hard reality for us because we really are sending yeah. out our best. Um, and I know that's, that's scary for a lot of churches and don't get me wrong. Like I'm scared out of my mind. Like I'm, I'm kind of going, I don't, we're losing some key people. Uh, but at the end of the day, what drives us is not the sustaining of the Hill church. It's the glory of God through, um, the mission of God. And so the fact that we want to be ascending people, and, and by the way, that's not even counting. You know, we have a couple of missionaries who are going out within our church, um, and we're actually graduating. How crazy it is. Our first class of people who came in oh, as freshmen yeah. and are now going as seniors. Like, it's a it's a crazy reality. I can tell you, you know, that some of those people came in as freshmen, seeing what they are now, um, and knowing that they're going to go and one's moving up to Seattle um, to be a part of Doxa Church. And there's things like that that you just go, and they're going to go fully prepared to know what it's like to be a church member yeah. somewhere. Not just a consumer, but actually like a member of a church. Um, and, uh, and so 
that stuff excites me, although it's hard. So we, we call them here. It's not original to us. We call them gospel goodbyes, and they're tough. Um, gospel goodbyes are really hard, but they're also, and they should be hard because if they weren't hard, uh, that means there there was something that wasn't good and beautiful about the relationship yeah, to begin yeah. with. Um, but, uh, but it's also um, something to celebrate and get excited about. So uh, we might send out our entire congregation and no one will be left, but uh, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, um, if our shelf life of the hill is five years or if it's 50 years, um, we know that we did best with the uh, means yeah, that God gave yeah, us. Yeah. Time. Well, and I t- we you know we talked with uh, Cole Pinnock you know on our last episode, and the mm-hmm. the opportunity that we have with college students in those settings, whether it's on campus ministry or church planting, you know, you know collegiate focused you know, stuff, uh, you know, is incredible. I mean, they're going to the world, yeah. you know, whether yeah. it's it's through business yeah. or medicine or law or teaching or whatever, you know, the better equipped mm-hmm. we can send them out as, you know, not just those who embody the gospel but can communicate the gospel and lead others to the good news of Jesus as well. Uh, man, those, yeah. those four years or however many years you have them there, you know, some one, some four, yeah. you know, such strategic times, uh, and to be yeah. able to intentionally develop them so that when they do go out, wherever they go, they're going to be a huge benefit, not just to the church they're a part of, but the community they're in as well. Yeah. And, uh, um, that's, that's just, that's, that I tell you, since my daughter, uh, started her freshman year at Arkansas State. Mm-hmm. You know the importance of that time has ramped up dramatically on my radar. Uh, and yeah. just watching her develop, yeah. e- even in her freshman year, she's not the same girl that she was. Now she's always been smart and had her stuff together and loves Jesus, but the amount that she's grown in her first year on her own, plugged into a great church, great ministry. The number of times she shared the gospel with her friends, you know, over this last year, uh, it's been, dude, proud dad moments and just exciting to see. Yeah. And, uh, and you so, know what, you know, I mentioned that we have, obviously we're 70% college students here. And, and one of the things that, uh, you know, I love, I absolutely, absolutely love my people. I want that to be clear. Like I love, the people God has given me, they're great. And, and we've wrestled through this reality together. But uh, the main pushback that I often get from people and why they don't join our church is they come in, they go, man, we love we love this place. We love what you're about. Uh, too many college students <laughs> here. So we're going to go and move, find a place where yeah. there's not that many college students. But love what you're about. And, uh, and I wanted to say, literally, I had this conversation so many times. Not with forty-year-olds, but with twenty-four-year-olds. Yeah. It's like you are not as old as yeah, you think yeah. you are. First, but but second, but second though is what I constantly just share. But it's true of like you think about the most impactful season of your life, the one that you figured out who you were, what your identity is, what you're passionate about, what your relationship with God's like, the trajectory of your life. Those most impactful years are those four years between eighteen yeah. and twenty-two. And that's who God has, for some reason, during this season, has given us. They may all grow and mature, and they may stay here, hopefully, and we can actually get some money in our <laughs> bank account, and we can do some great things. But um, 
but the reality is that's really humbling. Mm. That's a humbling and rare, um, unique gift to give is that you're not just kind of sustaining, but you're developing. And so, so many people come in with their preferences into a church and we're not having to entertain those. We're helping develop people of how they see church. Man, give me that development church over the entertainment church any day. Yep. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I got some classes. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just this last Sunday, I said, Toys R Us is closing down because we all had to grow up sometime, and only four people (laughs) got the joke. Tough crowd, huh? I I outed everyone over the age of 35 right. um, who knew what commercial was portraying to and everyone else is like huh? what oh. what's toys r us yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right man well, we're gonna uh wrap up here uh thanks so much for hanging with us uh man good stuff uh we could we could do a whole episode just on your leadership development process mm-hmm. and uh may come back mm-hmm. at some point unpack that a little bit more in detail because we have several churches right now that are developing yeah. those uh, i've had I guess about eight conversations with different churches over the last few weeks. They are in the process of intentionally developing you know, leaders, not just in college towns, but just leaders that they yeah. have for the purpose of. Yeah. Uh, and I tell everybody, look, this is whether they, whether you send them out or not. Anything you pour into them, you'll get back in in your church. So mm-hmm. they may not be church planners or missionaries or whatever, but they may be great small group leaders. And, and everything yeah. you pour into them is going to make them a better leader uh, in the existing church, even if they don't lead. So why not do yeah. that? Mm-hmm. And uh, so we may come back yeah. and talk more about that yeah. later on. But. Yeah. yeah, I could keep rambling. I'll, I'll, I'll do you and the listener a favor. And <laughs> <laughs> well, All right, you, well, we've got one more share. thing we have to do. Yeah, you have to share with us so, uh, your rapid-fire burning questions. That's that right, these, these important questions that everybody okay. wants to know. Yeah. Really, just Chad and I. Yeah. But, uh, uh, <laughs> all right, uh, top one or two books that have had the most impact on you. Oh. And you're a big reader, too, so I know okay. that stuff. Yeah, um... Man, okay. Uh, I'll start with my favorite book I read in seminary that stood out the most, and that was um, Pastoral Theology in the Classical Tradition, I think, by Andrew Purves. That is nerdy. It's totally nerdy. And and kind of talking about the thing that I talked about with leadership development, and there's a ton of good books. There's Designed to Lead by Peck, and I can't remember who he co-authored that with. Um, but also the trellis and the vine by uh, Marshall and Payne. What about your biggest strength and weakness in ministry? Oh gosh, um, yeah. So um, uh, I I am uh, I'm I hate to bring this up because it can be controversial, but. Uh, uh, I'm an Enneagram nine, regardless of what you assume of the Enneagram. <laughs> uh, I am an ENFP, but what that means is really, I think my strongest strength in ministry that I've seen come out is that I, I have strong empathy. Um, and, uh, and I long to see people who are hurting be, yeah. be comforted with my biggest weakness that this come out that, uh, that I just got to own is that, um, I can be, uh, uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? I, I can be satisfied with what I call artificial harmony. And what I mean by that is if no one's actively upset, I think I'm okay. I didn't realize you were an ENFP. I am an ENFP as well. And a seven, seven on the Enneagram. A seven. seven. That doesn't yeah, surprise I am me. an enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite pastime or hobby? Uh, yeah, favorite pastime is golfing. What? Don't ask me the last time I uh, yeah. but but that's it. Uh, I was a youth pastor for a number of years, and all my kids golfed, so I picked that up. And uh, I miss those days where I could get paid by the church to go golfing <laughs> with kids called discipleship. Yeah. Uh, and call me a professional golfer because I got paid yeah. to go do it. Um, but uh, with with a four year old, uh, a two year old, and uh, coming soon, a what? newborn. The the time has not <laughs> really May 29th, bro. Are, are we really that far off? I don't think I knew I that either. That. If I did, I saw it and forgot it. Yeah, it's all over the social media. The it's social media. All right. Well, congrats. Wow. May 29th, you said? May 29th, wow. yeah. That's the yeah. due date. So, uh, so is that yeah. is that going to be the Exciting. end, or are you going to have more? Or? No <laughs> That's none of your darn business. I appreciate you telling my personal affairs. That's none of your yeah. business. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Well... We'll see if the Lord allows, yeah. you know, if the Lord. Yeah. What's your favorite movie? Of all time. These are the worst no, they're questions. not. They're, they're not uh, easy questions though, are they? <laughs> no, they're not easy. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, this is where I kind of got to out myself as a nerd. Uh, and I'm not afraid to do it. I mean, uh, I can sit and watch, um, you know, watch Star Wars and Marvel movies all day. I mean, I, I'm, I'm up there. Uh, I am though. I am though DC over Marvel, not necessarily because of movies, but because of characters. Yeah. Uh, so give me, give me old school Christopher Reeve Superman <laughs> any day. Uh, I'm all, I'm all That's for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Because he's dead and not making movies anymore. Oh, is that no. uh, what? Where are you, where are you no, going just, with that? Yeah, uh, no, we just agree to disagree. <laughs> we agree to disagree. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm not. That's not a. That is not a vouch for the current slate of DC films. Okay. Well, that's where we would depart. So maybe. See, yeah. Although I did like Justice League. It was better. It was much better. Wonder Woman was better. Justice League was, it was. much better. That's the Wonder thing. Woman has been the best was, DC movie the they best. put out since the the trilogy of Batman. Man, that trilogy of Batman though yeah. is yeah. The, maybe the best. Yeah. I mean, that's the Dark Knight is probably my favorite uh, superhero movie of all time. I probably would agree. With yeah, that. Heath Ledger's Joker, man, golly, that dude, wow. Yeah. So probably anyway, cause okay, was, probably because he was genuinely messed up. He was he played that really well. Up. Really Sad. I should. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. Took, anyway, he was. I love. He was one of my favorite actors from that time period. Yeah. Man, just yeah. so talented. The uh, tunes. Sad, sad stuff. Music. Okay, so favorite band, band or musician? Last one. Oh yeah, so uh, of all times, it it is Sandy Patty. Uh, you got to rock those. The old friendship <laughs> company, or no, uh, uh, what? <laughs> the friendship company. That was for my mom. What's friendship company? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Welcome to the friendship company. Come on in. Yeah, that's Sandy Patty and oh, the I friendship company. One. You got to Google that. 
Yeah. Get on the Googles. We gotta get, I gotta get on that internet thing. Miracles can happen to those who love the Lord. Blessed are uh, those that believe in Him. His kingdom shall be yours. I could go on for days with all right, everyone. Penny. Just stop the oh, podcast no right kidding. then. Okay. Uh, no, but for real, my favorite band of all time is uh, Sigur Rós. I love them. Who? Um, Sigur Rós. That's my Sigur Rós. Have you never heard Sigur Rós? Sigur Rós. I don't even know what you, I still them, don't know what you're saying. The Sigur, S I G U R, Ross, R O S. They're from Sigur yeah. Ross, Iceland. Iceland. Yeah. Oh, my favorite music and uh, my favorite concerts going okay. to. Like, it's they're kind of they're electronic, amazing, so. ambient. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, how would you describe very cinematic music? Uh, if you've ever seen a uh, was a Christopher Crowe movie, you've heard Sigur Ross. Like he's, they pretty much just the background. Yeah. Darren Neely is a huge Sigur Ross fan. Hmm. Right now, what, what's popular at our house is our son say blasting music over a small little Bluetooth speaker and dancing to it in almost break dance style. <laughs> and right now, his favorite songs are the Greatest Show from the Greatest Showman musical. Uh-huh. Uh, and Watch Me by Nick Jonas from Ferdinand and the Bull. <laughs> so I there really hate my there life right now. So yeah. any, any break from that would probably be yeah, yeah. very welcome. So Soldier Ross, I'm going to go no, check him out. Sigur. Soldier Ross. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Thank well, you, Andrew. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on, hanging out hey, with us. Hey, where can guys. people find you? On the interwebs and the social uh, needs, as you said. In the, in the social media world, uh, Twitter, Andrew underscore Monarchy. Um, uh, I think my uh, Instagram is a Monarchy um, and Facebook's obviously my name. So you can find me um, on there and we're the hillchurch.net or website. And uh, yeah. Obviously, our church has got a podcast, and I literally am in this building. Yeah, we're we're hip. Yeah, look at that. Cool. Let's check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's our sermons, buddy. It's not. It's not like us sitting around talking about the weather. <laughs> oh, sorry, I missed. It's not that. like you're gonna put it forth any yeah. effort to create yeah. new content. <laughs> no, we're not. That would be too late. Uh, not everybody can do what we do no (laughs) well hey and i'm uh i'm about to uh start a second podcast this is breaking news ladies and gentlemen Uh, with one you gotta gotta go back at the very beginning and say this just in yeah yeah so to start second podcast with wyman richardson on theology and film and nice. so, uh, yeah. so been kind of toying around with that for a little while. We sat down and kind of talked the other day about some movies we want to look at with theological themes. This kind of was brought about by me going to see the movie Annihilation. And yep, I have both yeah. those books. Yep, yep. There you go. You have you them. seen the movie Annihilation yet? I have not seen uh, it. It is. Uh, it's one of those that you walk out and you're like, okay, what did I just see? And yeah, did I, I like it or not? Uh, my yeah, conclusion yeah. is I think I did, but there. Sorry, you see, are you talking about The Last Jedi? No, right now, or are you no, about no, no, no. I liked. 
I liked The Last Jedi. I thought that was the best Star Wars movie that's come out in a while. That was fun. Uh, But Annihilation... Yeah, don't get me wrong on it. In a good way. I came out wondering what the heck Uh I just see to coming and going. That was fun. That was a really excellent movie. I'm with you. That was a journey for me. But Annihilation has a, a theological theme in it that... Is, is fascinating to me. I want to go back and rewatch it and see how prevalent it is. And I think it is the point of the movie hmm. um, that is kind of filtered throughout. The more I've thought about it, this kind of came up in several different areas. And Did you see the movie Mother? I have not. That's on my scared. list, too. That's one that that's really interesting without doing any crazy spoilers because people have different yeah. interpretations, but one of them that they're telling the yeah. biblical narrative. Well, but. and Darren Aronofsky is a brilliant filmmaker. I, mean, I love his movies and, yeah. uh, well, we'll look forward to that. And so, Wyman so and yeah, Dave yeah. Wyman and I, can I, be a special guest? can I be a special guest on that? I'd love to watch a Dude, movie. Talk I, about it. I, awesome. We probably would. Cause you're, you're speaking my wife. Oh, my it's language, mine too. I took a class in seminary called, Production yeah, well, I took a class yeah. in seminary called Christianity in the Media, and uh, that was the first yeah. time I ever read Neil Postman and some of his stuff, and Bernard Brandon Scott, his, you know, uh, yeah, all that yeah. stuff, and so I, I became hooked on that stuff. I told I told my professor I'll never be able to watch Pinky and the Brain the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> You just outed yourself, too. My congregation would yeah, not. Yeah, I know yeah, it, yeah. I know it, I know it. The maniacs, right? They would not know what you're talking about. That's right. So anyway, so that's coming. So yeah, we'll have to have you on. We'll talk movies and theology. I realize I just invited myself, but that's me every Friday (laughs) wherever I go. (laughs) Hey, you can invite yourself into my life anytime, buddy. Okay. All right. All right, dude. Thanks, man. Good times. See you guys. We'll talk at you later.